Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and this week, I brought her back. Her name is Sonda Ellison, and if you were listening last week, she gave an incredible, an incredible testimony, and we were starting to dive into uh, more theological and kind of more meat issues. And so I thought I would just bring her back and I thought we would just have a conversation about dealing with spiritual warfare and dealing with other areas that may seem not so much related, but really are related. So, you know, Sonda, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's it's a pleasure to have you. So we were touching on uh, dealing with pain, and I think for the context of this talk, with your ministry going into spiritual warfare, I think the question has to be asked, spiritual warfare? How can you even be sure there's a devil? I don't think that's the hard part, because even atheists will say, admit, if you get someone who's willing to be honest with you. <laughs> They will admit um, that one of the strongest proofs for the existence of God is the existence of evil. It cannot be accounted for any other way other than a supernatural source. So we see things that go on that fit that description. So it's not that hard to make that connection, just as it's not that hard to make that connection when you are willing to let the evidence lead you where the evidence leads you and not try and force it a particular direction. The evidence will lead you as the... um, the Greek philosopher said, science and creation demands the existence of a creator. If you just look at what is here, if you just pay attention and look at the science, it demands the existence of a creator. If you look at the evidence of the evil, it demands the existence of an evil one. It's a force that is contrary to the, all everything that is good. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's evil, but that's just, it really comes down to survival of the fittest, doesn't it? You know, you get a certain point in your journey and things are so obvious, but when you're not at this point in the journey, it doesn't seem that obvious. So nothing I say is meant to be an insult to anyone who's younger than me or the journey is still new to them. I will say, however, that all of your answers can be answered adequately. It's not that there's um, a question you have where there's just not a good answer. That's just not the case. The Lord gives us answers, and the problem is that in churches today, they've stopped teaching the Word of God from the pulpit. Everything is about feeling good. So they might talk about a psalm, or they might talk about something in the New Testament that feels very happy, but they don't dive into, uh, unfortunately, this has become the majority of churches. You know, they don't dive into real spiritual issues. If the churches were really teaching the Word of God, if they had not sanitized all spiritual warfare teaching from the pulpit, these questions would not be so prevalent. This is exactly why we are losing a tremendous percentage of people out of Christian churches who are joining the occult. They're joining witchcraft covens. They've been raised on Harry Potter because their parents were ignorant that there is a true spiritual force in witchcraft. Oh, we won't even go there. I read that, that entire series fr- cover to cover, and by the time I was done with it, I found it disgusting. I found it because the, the way she ended it was just, ugh. I mean, that, that's an interesting um, uh, paradigm because, I mean, 
I mean, because I've been in different churches and they tend to just come together. And I mean, I've seen the seeker sensitive churches. I've seen the churches that teach the word of God. And it just seems to me that even within the ones that teach the word of God, there's a lack of identifying when something is really, really weird or identifying um, the presence of the evil one. That's a scary thing. It's almost like he taught, the, he, he, he pretty much said, hey, if I can knock out the weapons from the church, then they're no longer a danger. Even when we do to get exposed to the tools, at least this is what I'm learning. There's a learning curve in trying to figure out, okay, yes, I have a sword at my hand, but I have no idea how to use the thing. Do I swing it? Do I stab it? What do I do? Exactly. It's the where the rubber meets the road conversation. And I have a client that's a new client. And this was one of her things. And she deals with a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And she has dealt with this for years. She's been to counseling before. And a lot of my, a lot of my clients have been in this situation. So this is not unusual. And she said, well, I just can't handle this whole thing of thinking that there's spiritual warfare going on around me. And I just grabbed her hand. I said, yes, you can. It's very simple. You just weren't taught to do it. You just have to learn how to do it. And so once we got past our first, first two um, meetings, she was on the phone with me going, oh my gosh, you're right. This is a total answer to prayer. You're right. It is simple. I just have to learn what it is. And so one of the examples that I give people, and I use this with her, is, you know, when you get a new job, you know, in a, if it's a big company, you go to employee orientation and they give you the employee handbook. And if you happen to work in the customer service area or somewhere where you're answering phones, they give you the handbook and it says, okay, when the customer calls you, you ask them what is their complaint or what is their, what is the inquiry that they have? What category is it? Okay, well, if it's category three, you turn to page 12. And on page 12, you read this paragraph, okay? It's exactly the same way with spiritual warfare, you just weren't taught it. So the first couple of weeks you're in the new job, you have to keep flipping. Okay, they're finally letting you take a call. Here's your first customer service call. You ask the customer, what is the area of inquiry that they have? Oh, it's about warranties for this guy. Okay, I turn to page 12 for warranties and I read the paragraph on here's what a warranty is and here's what it covers. And by the time, once you do that for a few weeks, you don't have to remember, you know, you know already what page it's on and you know what the paragraph is and you, you've said it enough times. That is exactly what it is. It really is that simple. It's just we haven't learned how to do it. And there is a certain way we need to say things because of the way that the spiritual darkness works according to law. So we have to, we have to be careful about that. But it's actually really, really simple. And she was really delighted with that. So I just want to encourage everybody out there, if this is a new subject to you, I encourage you to either get a book or start studying. I can give you some resources. Visit my, my website, which is MyrtleMinistries.com, Myrtle, M-Y-R-T-L-E, Ministries.com, and there are great resources there. And you can get up and running and start educating yourself on how to use the tools that the Lord has given us. Like you gave a perfect example. Okay. The Lord says to use the sword. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's the word of God. You speak the truth of the light into the lie of the darkness. That's what you do. Speak the truth of the light of the word of God into the lie of the darkness. Let's take an example of someone who may have, you know, maybe they've just gone through all kinds of craziness and maybe, maybe they're kind of at this place where their life is a wreck and they don't know how to get free of it. So, like, what would be a first step that they could take? 
I don't say this just because I do this uh, as a ministry for the Lord, but I really do think you need to find someone who understands it. Find someone who understands spiritual warfare and teaches on that and start learning. Now, you can get some resources, and the resources are not my own. If you go to my website, there are some resources there that are outstanding, and several of them are 100% free. That's very important to me because there were many times in my life I didn't have the money to pay for someone to assist me, and there I finally found someone who operated in their ministry and, and helped me learn some things. So there are many great free resources that you can use to start learning what is spiritual warfare? What does it mean for me? How am I supposed to respond to this? That's the place that you want to start. There are a couple of great places I can recommend. One at the top of my list is Dr. Michael Lake. You can find him online. It's Biblical Life is his ministry. He's the president of a seminary, and a lot of his teaching is he teaches a lot about spiritual warfare, and he gets into some pretty heavy stuff, but he is super powerful, super fun to listen to, and he's very, very anointed. So he's one of the ones off the top of my head that would be a great resource for listeners. Mm, And I would also add into that, he also runs a podcast that I've actually um, followed pretty regularly. And if you want to kind of get an idea of what he teaches, you can check out the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. I won't say I agree with everything that he says, but the guy is solid. I mean, he's pretty cool. So we don't um, agree with any anybody that everything they say. <laughs> so, but he's fantastic and he is very solid. Let's kind of pan out because we're living in a time where people have a fascination with the occult, it's unreal. And so do you think that that has increased or has it just become more public? No, I think it's increasing. And some other experts in the field agree with that position. One of those that I respect the most, and I've also met and spoken with in person is Russ Dizdar. His ministry is also free. All of his teaching is free. It's one of the most powerful things on spiritual warfare you can get, even though it is advanced. So it might be a little bit it might be a little bit difficult if you're brand new to the subject but but for those of you who have you your feet have already been in the water and this is not brand new to you and you want to dive deeper he is fantastic and his stuff is all of his uh, training seminars are free so um, there are a lot of sources that track this kind of activity and it is increasing for a lot of reasons one of which not the least of which is sacrifice gives them power and there's this the story in the old testament of uh, i'm so sorry i just forgot the name of the king the king was losing the battle against israel and he sacrificed his son to the forces of darkness and then they started winning so when we're talking about spiritual warfare this is very real and the lord god says the life is in the blood and the forces of darkness operate in opposition to everything that God calls uh, his law and everything that God calls good. And in the occult world, it's called as above, so below. So they pervert and twist everything of God. So we have a prayer language. In the occult, they have what's called twilight languages that are totally demonic. So they pervert and turn upside down and twist everything that is of God. And Population has increased. I mean, it's pretty simple. If you just look at from the time of Adam and Eve till now, population has increased, has it not? Okay. So the percentage of people that are doing um, dark practices obviously just increased by the numbers. That's, so if we're looking at just in the simplest form, that's increased just by the numbers that way. 
there's also all the sacrifice that goes on and as upsetting as it is to a lot of people. And I'm saying, put your seatbelts on because this might be hard for a couple of you out there. But when you are killing babies, that is a sacrifice, whether you think it is or not. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're talking about just, you're talking about abortion and all that, right? Yes. Abortion, whether you think it is or not, is killing a baby. That by very definition to the dark side is a child sacrifice. It doesn't matter what you think of it. It's what it is as it exists in the spiritual realm. So just that alone, we've had billions of children. I just heard the number just recently, and I can't even remember. It's so upsetting. But that alone causes a power to rise. We've got power increasing because we were in the last days. And we know we're in the last days because almost everything that needs to happen before Yeshua returns in the second coming has already happened. There aren't very many things left. We know the power is increasing because of that. We know that the the word of God says that in the last days, their power is going to be increasing, that there are going to be tremendous amounts of signs and wonders done by the dark side to deceive. So we have to get ready and fasten our seatbelts and start understanding, okay, wow, we've really been denied this, this education on what's happening in the spiritual realm. And if you've spoken to, or you've ever get the chance to speak to a missionary who served time anywhere on the African continent or in the islands like uh, in Haiti, and has had to deal with a lot of voodoo and witchcraft there and any of those places, they will tell you spiritual warfare is a part of their, their daily life. It has to be. So we have a lot of catching up to do, but the encouragement is every single one of us, women included, we are called to be fierce warriors for the kingdom of God. We are not to be fearful. And when we understand what our weapons are and how to use them, we aren't fearful. So the fear, the fear gets kicked out. And I will tell clients, okay, think of it in a general sense this way. And this is a very, this is a great generalization, okay? Think of there's two sources. There's God and everything that's light. And then there's the force of darkness, the Lord of darkness over here. If I say the word fear, does the word fear come from God or does it come from the Lord of darkness? Well, it definitely comes from the Lord of darkness because the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear and God is love. So matter of logic there. <laughs> right. So when we think of it in a simple, in its simplest terms like that, as we grow in our relationship with him, as we understand spiritual warfare, and as we learn to use the weapons he's given us, the fear cannot stay because it's not of him. It falls off. And that's why I see clients, their anxiety disappears. Their stress and not being able to sleep um, disappears because they are learning a whole other level that they just had no knowledge of. So what are some symptoms that you might be under spiritual warfare or under the um, attack of the enemy? Well, it can come from a couple of different places, and I think that's the first way to answer that question. Spiritual warfare can come as a result of sin. So if I'm doing something that is in direct opposition to the Word of God, I'm opening the door to the forces of darkness. All sin opens the door to the forces of darkness. That's exactly what happened in the garden. They chose to listen to the voice of darkness. They chose to disobey the voice of God. So anytime we sin, we are following that path. We have set our feet on that path. So you can have spiritual warfare come up because of that. A really great example is someone who didn't know any better. They were 10 years old. They started, you know, they were at a friend's house. They were visiting a cousin in another state, and they pulled out a Ouija board, and they started playing with a Ouija board. They didn't know that it was a real occult thing. They thought they were told it was a game. 
it's just a game. It's, there's nothing really to worry about. Right. And so all of this stuff starts happening in their life and they don't know how to get rid of it. So they grow up. They've never learned anything about it in church. Church tells you this stuff doesn't exist. You, ca- you can't be a believer and have spiritual warfare. So this is how it can come in by sin. But then there's also spiritual warfare that can be passed down through generations. It's been referred to as generational cursing. But, you know, even though the word of God directly exi- uh, addresses that, and it says it can be passed down. It tells us this very clearly, verbatim. But I like to use another word because sometimes, at least growing up, I used to think, well, why would God curse four generations because someone else sinned? But that's not what it's talking about. God is saying, this universe that I created has a spiritual reality, whether you realize that this is the reality or not. When you do these things, sin does not just affect you. Every time you sin, First of all, it's food to the demonic forces that exist all around in the world. It's food for them. They, that's how they get strength. So you are feeding the forces of the demonic every time you sin. And because you've sinned and you haven't broken it and you never repented of it, especially if it's child abuse, especially if it's um, infidelity, all kinds of different things, you're passing that down to your children because you never broke it. So legally... Those children are under that because you're there covering and you never broke it. So it never was God is cursing someone because someone else sinned. That was never what he was talking about. He's saying when you sin, you put things in motion just like Adam and Eve did. They put things in motion and they had no idea how bad it was going to be. That's what we do when we sin. So it gets passed down either from our generations and we have to go through and break all of that. And that's why we take histories. And it's not just my ministry, but all of the good ministries that I know have an application. And we want to see like what's going on in your family history. Do you have um, a bunch of people in your family that are all dealing with um, infidelity? Well, there might be, there might be a spiritual influence there that we want to look at and we want to stop that here. And you, my clients are strong Christians who are believing Bible knowledge, not knowledgeable Christians. And they just have not been able to break whatever the bondage is, fill in the blank. That is a big red flag that it's probably and could possibly be um, a spiritual force. Why do you think that pastors have, 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 have kind of grown, have gone and said, we're not even going to touch this. Sometimes it's because they get slowly drawn. Maybe they had a good heart in the beginning, but they get slowly drawn into appeasing the church board as opposed to doing what God says. And when people start talking about numbers, that causes a lot of problems. Okay, well, if we don't have X amount of numbers, then we're not doing great. And the church down the street is growing faster than we are, and they start blaming the pastor. Well, is the church down the street growing because they're teaching the Word of God or because they're ear-tickling? You know, we need to look at these things more critically. A lot of people have lost their critical thinking skills in this time. So there are a lot of reasons that could be taking place. A lot of times pastors really have good hearts, but they are so just harassed about what they're supposed to be teaching from the pulpit by board members or by congregants who just really harass them, that they're trying to keep everybody happy. And that can be a really difficult thing. And that's actually a really unhealthy thing. We are supposed to preach the word of God. We're supposed to preach Christ and Christ crucified and let the chips fall where they may. And Paul said, if, if you go to a town and they refuse to accept the word of God, you shake the dust off your feet and you go to the next town. 
you don't just keep saying, uh, appeasing people. And that's one of the many dysfunctional, highly toxic diseases that the church has let into its fold, that I am supposed to do nothing but appease everybody. Well, but that's not a healthy relationship. And, you know, think, just think about friendship. And this is the counseling part of me right now, not the spiritual warfare side of me. But just as a, you know, as a counselor, if you just think about friends, friend, the best friends are the ones who will tell you the truth in a loving way. They're the one who won't let you go walking all through the wedding ceremony with spinach in your teeth. You know, the, that's the person, that's the friend I want. I don't want the friend who's going to let me walk out of the restroom with my uh, skirt accidentally stuck in my pantyhose. I want someone who's going to say, oh, no, 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 here. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. Right. Right. I, I you know, I, I've had people like that. Um, I'm, you know, as you say that a couple, couple ladies come to mind that, you know, are, 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 are like that. And, uh, you know, it's funny, my pastor this morning, uh, where te- he was teaching out of Philippians, I think it was like three or four or somewhere around there. And something he said really struck me. And it kind of, and I, it comes to mind as we were, as we were getting ready for this conversation, you know, he was saying, Hey, look at your life. If you're, if you are not under the enemy's uh, microscope, and if you're not having issues, then you might want to look at your walk of faith. Oh, that's so true. Because if you, and see, this is something that people need to understand is about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, being knowledgeable about how to operate, be an effective warrior for the kingdom of God. That's something every mature believer should be doing at all times, every day of your life for the rest of your life. It's, and, and another way to think of it like this, a really good metaphor is, you know, if you're a mom, you learn no matter where you are in your house, you've got an ear for your kid. And if something doesn't sound right, and the people sitting in your kitchen may not hear a thing, but your ear perks up and you go, wait a minute, I need to go check on my daughter or check on my son. Something wasn't right. No. So that hearing is on at all times. That's exactly what it's like to be a mature believer who has learned how to do spiritual warfare. It's not something you even have to think about. It's just automatic. You've created the good habit in the spirit um, by the Holy Spirit's power. So it's automatic. I don't have to remind myself to do it, generally speaking. I know that when I'm going into a place and I see a group of kids that are clearly into witchcraft dressed in black with piercings all over their face and occult symbols on their t-shirts, no one has to remind me while I'm walking through the grocery store to just under my breath. I've still got a smile on my face, but under my breath in my spirit, I'm just going, in the name of Yeshua, put a, I have on the full armor of God, my helmet of salvation, my breastplate of righteousness, my belt of truth, my feet are covered with the gospel of peace. I have my shield of faith and my sword of the spirit. Lord, give me sharp discernment. If anything is, is about it, it becomes automatic. And that's what I'm saying. It, if we had been taught it, it's actually incredibly simple once we get the knowledge. So even in my ministry, the majority of what I do, a lot of it is teaching. And then I'm just discipling you and okay, I want you to repeat this. So you get used to saying this and understanding what's going on here. And it connects the dots for you in your mind. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, I get it now. And now you're off and running. And then you just need to check in once in a while and say, hey, I was wondering this, or I, was, I had something that was giving me a hard time I wasn't able to defeat. And we just pray together. 
And that's how God created the body of Yeshua to work. Just if there's something, and I feel like someone's already asking this question because I did this at one point in my own life. If there's something, if you're a mature believer and you have some knowledge of spiritual warfare and you encounter something that you haven't been able to break on your own, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong in your life. And the Lord showed me this over the years, years and years, which actually been decades now of studying this subject. He created the body of Yeshua to work together. Sometimes he just desires for you to work with someone else. So he wants you to go to the person who is the specialist in spiritual warfare that you know in your church or whatever, and you just say, hey, you know, I've been doing really good, but this, this one thing I've got, I haven't been able to break it. Can you help me break this? And we just then we get it on our hands and knees and we pray together and we stand where two or three are gathered and two of us with both of our swords going, you will not stay here. And then the bondage breaks. And what does that do? It not only builds your faith in Yeshua, it builds the relationship with among believers in the body. So it's a beautiful picture if we will understand that, because a lot of people feel, especially when they first come to me, they have a lot of guilt or shame feeling like I'm doing something wrong and I don't know what it is. Why can't I break this? So it's not necessarily something that you've done wrong. Sometimes God just wants you to work with a person and build the relationships in the body of Yeshua. Is that why um, you see so many examples of Jesus encountering uh, all these demons and uh, sending them packing? I mean, mean, because it seems to me if anyone had reason to deal with spiritual warfare, uh, he would. That's something that, uh, again, that's lost from the pulpit. People are often shocked when they realize that Yeshua did more deliverance than he did physical healing. The the healing comes later. And in most of the situations that I deal with or anybody that deals in this area of specialty, they will tell you that it's usually the deliverance that comes first and the healing comes later. And matter of fact, there's a great passage that's in Ephesians. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, but this is in Ephesians 3. Let me just read a couple of verses to you because I find this very powerful. And this is Paul speaking in chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 8. And I'm reading out of the NASB. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. In order, here's the key, listen carefully here, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Isn't that interesting? See, the Word of God has a lot to say about spiritual warfare. One of my clients this week said to me, well, why doesn't the Bible tell us anything about spiritual warfare? And I had to just kind of laugh, and I said, it tells a lot, but our pastors aren't teaching it. So we were talking about this, and she was talking about the Scripture with me. This is very There is a spiritual reality for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not of this realm. They are powerful into the pulling down of strongholds. Yeshua came to um, destroy the works of the enemy. The very word Christian is supposed to mean Christ follower or Yeshua follower. So as Yeshua followers, we are supposed to be trying to do what he did. He said that you are going to do even greater works than I did. In my name, you will cast out demons and, and heal the sick. But you're going to do even more than I did. And it also says in Revelation that in the last days that this spiritual, the, spir- the signs and wonders are going to be increasing on both sides. 
Oh, no, that's interesting. Yes, it says beware because there are going to be people that are casting out devils and doing signs and wonders and saying we did it in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. So that's a profound scripture that tells us this stuff is very real and people are doing it. But if you're not doing it in the name of Yeshua, you don't fall into that trap that you are somehow saved like the, like the sons of Sceva who tried to do things in Jesus whom Paul preaches. And they got they got beaten up and sent back. They had to go back to the city bloody and naked. So we don't want to get drawn into that. We want to do it in the, with Yeshua. Here's my question. I've always wondered about that scripture because um, he says, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. It says, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? If he never knew them, how is it they had the power to do anything in his name? Same way witchcraft does. Witchcraft, witchcraft is doing signs and wonders, and it's not in the name of Yeshua. So you're saying they were empowered by the enemy? Yeah, whether they know it or not. That's a you're so I mean to take that to its logical conclusion, you're saying that people that are posing as Christians and doing things quote unquote in Christ's name are actually empowered by the enemy. They can be, and that's why people who work in this specialty far ahead of me in the journey, like Russ Dizdar, I mean they've done amazing research. Most churches in the United States have what's called a church plant, which is someone from the occult that is in that church. There have been, I've been told, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, it was either Russ Dizdar or L.A. Marzulli told this story at one of the conferences I was at where I spoke with them. And a pastor was doing something and there was a woman who had been trying to be friends with this pastor and his wife. And had been giving them gifts. Well, they didn't know that some of the gifts that they gave them were spiritually charged because they'd been cursed. They'd had curses put on them. So if I don't have my spiritual wits about me and I'm not paying attention and I don't believe in spiritual warfare, because if I do, the Holy Spirit's going to alert me. Something feels wrong. Don't take that book. Someone's given you this gift. Don't take that. There's something going on here. Or if I do, I'm taking it and I'm saying anything attached to this will be gone right now in the name of Yeshua. But if I don't, I have then taken something gives them legal authority because I took it. See how the, the, the word of God tells us we have to be discerning because of the deception. Matthew 24, Yeshua's on the mountain with the disciples and they say, how will we know it's the last days? How will we know the signs of your coming? And the first thing out of his mouth is do not be deceived. And he says it three times within like 10 verses. Do not be deceived. The deception is going to be so great. The deception is so great. Who is the king of deception? It's the, it's the Lord of darkness. Who is the father of lies? The Lord of darkness. So when you start connecting the dots and you see that scripture from cover to cover has been talking about this the whole time, we've just been denied that education. So when you start connecting the dots of scripture, it becomes incredibly obvious and so this person was trying to, to get to be friends with the pastor so that they could have influence over this church. And the whole time they're praying and cursing during services to cause problems with the, with the congregants. So this person comes up and, as, and then there's this little lady in the congregation that stands up and st- starts saying, no, I rebuke this. And, then, and even though I teach people, don't say, I rebuke you. Say the Lord rebuke you. And that's another question we can get into later if you want. But say the Lord rebuke you. She gets up and she's rebuking this stuff. Well, there's this whole thing that goes on. They had to, this person turns into um, the, the demonic spirit manifested in this person. It became obvious they had to take them out and pray with them in another room and try and get things calmed down. And that's how the story all came out. So this person was a total plant causing disruption 
and causing division because they want to cause dissension. So um, I want the pastors to be fighting amongst each other. I want the congregants to fight amongst each other. I want the congregants and the pastors to fight amongst each other. This is what is stirred up by the forces of darkness. And that way, the ministries are not able to be effective. So even if I am operating in ministry, I'm not as effective as I could be if I have on the full armor of God and I know what I'm dealing with. So how would you even know if your church is victim of something like, quote unquote, a plant? You're not going to know unless someone's really highly attuned and has that gifting. But you will know, what does the word of God tell us? You will know the tree by its fruit. So we are supposed to, according to the word of God, be watching for fruit. And we are supposed to do that with everyone. So if you say that you're a believer, but you've got really bad fruit, I should notice that. I should, I mean, that's part of being a mature believer. Um, And it's really the same way. It's that spiritual sensitivity. Once you've learned how to pay attention to these things, you just sense it because it's, it's, it's the equivalent to a muscle that you've never used before. And you start working the muscle and the muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's exactly what happens. You get more sensitive. You notice things you didn't notice before. I had people whom I've trained who have never heard anything from the Lord before. And they told me that, and they were really nervous about doing this work with me. And I said, Just follow what I'm telling you. You will start hearing things and giftings and getting gifting you've not had before because the Lord wants to expand you because he called you to the work. Whom God calls, God equips. And within months, this woman was saying, oh my gosh, I'm hearing the Lord clearly now. It's it just starts. It's it's growth. It's this is where you get off the milk and pablum and you start eating the meat of the word. We've lost this whole concept um, of maturing as believers. And there is a growth process that takes place. And, and we just haven't been, and there's no real discipleship in most churches either. And that's, that's a problem too. And, and that's part, a big part of this problem. There's a lot of little things, that, a lot of things that contribute to the problem. I go to a church where, you know, we meet every other week for a women's study. And then we have a midweek service and then we have a Sunday service. And on top of that, you know, God has just brought people into my life that, Man, (laughs) if he hadn't, I don't know where I'd be. I totally agree that it just seems like the church is weak, but it also really seems, you know, moving to the other side of this, that either people don't talk about spiritual warfare, they don't want to touch it because that's way too kooky out there. And if you're involved in that kind of stuff, you got to be, you got to be nutso. Or they're so far deep into it that look under a rock and you're going to find a demon. Well, that takes things to extreme in that it's actually not biblical. But we have to be aware there is a spiritual reality. And let me give you an example. And this was many years ago. So I was still um, early in my training. I was, I think, 20 years old when this happened. I might have been 21. So I had been at a prayer seminar with a man, a man who was teaching. His name was Dr. Ricky Bonner, and he was, um, he was a great teacher of spiritual warfare. So we had had this three-day conference at my church in California. And after we had this conference, we left and we went. There was a big Mexican restaurant. It was down near the ocean on, off of PCH somewhere. We went to this really large Mexican restaurant to have dinner all together. There were like six or eight of us. We walk in the front door and it was a really large place and all of the back windows on the sides and on the back, it was nothing but windows because it overlooked the water, like at a marina. 
we walk in the front door, we step past that little wall around, you know, to where you can see the, the whole room of the restaurant. As we stepped out on the very, very back against the windows on the very right corner was a table of four guys. All of them were dressed in black robes. And this was, a, again, I have to stress this, this was a really large restaurant. So it was a long ways. There were at least 10 or 15 tables from where we were to where they were. So, um, and maybe even more than that, it was a really large restaurant. It was at least 15. So as we stepped out from that wall where the, the hostess was going to start to take us to a table, as we get exposed, these four guys in black robes stand up, turn around, look at us and start throwing hexes at us. Wait, 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 literally? Yes, literally. So what I want you to understand as we're talking about the questions that you're bringing up, spiritual reality exists. It doesn't matter whether you think it does or not. The forces of darkness, when you give yourself over to the deep forces of the occult, they sense a strong Christian, just like a strong Christian will sense someone who was full of darkness. So they all four sensed our presence. And they instantly all stood up. As soon as we came around that wall, they instantly stood up and started throwing hexes at us. And we all were just kind of laughing, like, that is so not going to work. It's like, um, it's like a BB gun against a, a, a lightsaber. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just not going to happen. So we just were praying under our breaths and we just went to our table. We didn't think anything of it. We just all know better. We all knew to rebuke it and just we went to our table and didn't bother. And they left the restaurant. And so this is what I'm saying that we need to understand. We need to be able to witness to these people. We're not supposed to run from these people in fear. They're deceived into thinking that they've got a power. And then they encounter a Christian who has the power and understands what it means to walk in power and live in a sound mind. They're driven from the restaurant. What a great opportunity to witness to people and say, do you understand? Do you see here? They will ask people sometimes. I've heard other people talk about this, that when they meet some, they get a witnessing opportunity with someone like this, that sometimes these are people from the occult will call, walk straight up to them and say, where do you get your power? Why is it so strong? And why can't I work against it? I've been over here trying to cast spells and I can't cast anything on you. Why not? Because I'm a very strong witch, they'll say. You know, or I'm a warlock and I can do anything. I've got these powers. You know, um, there's some great stories um, and ministries that have been started with by incredibly um, former warlocks that were incredibly powerful. And they have incredible ministries now exposing all of the occult and what they do. How do you move that into a witnessing opportunity? And how do you take that from, no, this ain't going to work. You're not going to mess with me to, okay, you need to understand a few things. Well, the you're not going to mess with me is what you're referring to is that is not the kind of language I like to use. And it's not what I teach people to use. The language should be, I'm, rebu I'm rebuking through the Lord's power in the blood of the lamb, a spiritual influence. So what I would say under my breath is the, um, one of the things that the Lord gave me um, is a very powerful, has been a very powerful thing in my own ministry. And he told me to say, you've been exposed by the true light of the true word of the living God. And then I will just say, the Lord rebuke you, the blood of the lamb be upon you. You are not allowed to do anything to me or to my family or to my property. You will be silent and you will be still right now in the name of Yeshua. I've just learned you just say it in your, in your spirit. They don't have to see you do anything. I, and I actually have a grocery store near me where there are witches that work at the grocery store. And I've become friends with one of the witches. And I've told her on a couple of different occasions, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And she asks me questions all the time. 
But believe me, they can sense the Holy Spirit. They can sense an, an alternative power. And they are aware, they are aware too of quote unquote weak Christians. And these groups, these groups are very organized and they will go out throughout neighborhoods cursing Christians and they will spot things. They cause all kinds of interference and disruption for people. There are a number of great, great ministries from the occult who talk about that. One of the guys that I, um, I have seen his testimony multiple times and I've referred to him when I've, when I've done counsel, um, uh, presentations and seminars, um, he talks about he was a very high warlock in, in the occult. I, I, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but he was a very high warlock. He was like number one or number two guy for the entire East Coast of the United States. And he, and he has talked about how they used to go out and um, at night they would cast spells over the neighborhood and that they could spot weak Christians and that they would try and send spells and cast spells and stuff on with Christians. So this is what, this is one of the fundamental things we need to understand. Listen, the word of God is true. It is not an allegory. It's true. So when it says we are, our weapons of warfare are not of this world. They are not of a human nature. They are mighty of God to the pulling down of these spiritual strongholds. That's what we are supposed to be doing in the name of Yeshua as a follower of Yeshua. The reality exists whether you want to acknowledge it or not. So you can either step into it and have a whole new level in your relationship with Yeshua and go, oh my gosh, believe me, every client I have comes out the other end of ministry full of joy, anxiety gone, things that they thought like personality traits that they thought they were going, that they had to live with for the rest of their life. They thought it was a personality trait like, oh, well, I just have a really bad self-esteem. And all of a sudden their self-esteem is completely healed. So if you think spiritual warfare, because I've actually seen people and, and I do not criticize other ministries, that's not my job. I just do what the Lord told me to do. I'm not about criticizing other ministries. But I have seen people in the name of ministries dress in all black. Now, I feel like that is very wrong. I do not feel like we are supposed to act like that or dress like that. I am supposed to be the light of God. <clears throat> and I carry myself like I'm the light of God. And I am not going to wear goth makeup and black robes and try and get you to believe that your goth makeup and black robes is not of the Lord. That would be a contradiction. So that's something that I have a problem with on a spiritual level. But, you know, we are supposed to be able to talk to these people with confidence and not be afraid of them. And so because addressing the demonic influence is something that's a reality that should be going on inside me all the time. Whenever I go anywhere, praise God, I've got the full power of the armor of God on. Thank you, God. Lord, that doesn't look right to me. Boy, that person didn't feel right to me. Lord, I don't know what's going on with that person, but I pray for spiritual intervention right now. I do that when I pass people in the grocery store. Sometimes you can just feel it. It's like, woo, something's not right. You just start praying over them. Lord, do a breakthrough. In the name of Yeshua, every dark energy entity, spirit force, or dark technology that is operating in honor around that person, you must be bound together right now by the blood of the lamb and you must be silent. And you must be still. And Lord, in this, in this quiet, I ask for you and your Holy Spirit to speak to that person. I ask for salvation for that person. Bring someone into their life that they will encounter the almighty living supernatural God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the name that every demon must flee from. Lord, give them an encounter with you. 
So this is how, you know, the Lord says, pray without ceasing. This spiritual warfare is a huge part of our praying without ceasing. So we've, even though we haven't been trained in spiritual warfare, what little most people know of, they have this really bad impression of it, that it's all darkness and voodoo and whispering and shouting and people from a movie in Hollywood throwing up. And that's not the case. The Lord commands us to walk in power and love in a sound mind. And this is the way we are able to do that. It's a path of joy. And gee, it's not a coincidence that it says in the Bible, the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. Strength for the battle. Because the battles aren't going to stop, but they will. Ch- the nature of the battle will change. Once you get victory over everything, the nature of the battle changes. And then you're able to say, okay, now I know this is coming at me because I've been doing something for the Lord and I was just witnessing to my unsaved neighbors this week. Now I know why I'm getting attacked, as, as opposed to having a stronghold in your life that you're not able to break for all of your life. It's, it's different. You'll be able to tell the difference. You'll be able to hear. Uh, it's not uncommon that people will say, I can hear the Lord so much more clearly now that I've come out the other end of the ministry process. You'll, you might find that you have gifting that you never had before from the Holy Spirit. You know those moments when you try and pray, but it seems like your prayers are like mm-hmm. bouncing off the ceiling and going right, right. back to you, and you're sitting there going, I can't even figure out if I'm hearing God or if that's, it's just my own thoughts rattling in my head. That's right. And the word of God in, in, in Ephesians 6, it tells us to, to the helmet of salvation and the sword of truth, the, the shield of faith, which helps us to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. What are the flaming arrows? The flaming arrows are thoughts that are not our own or unwanted thoughts. And again, if you go back to that really super overgeneralization of, of things coming from the, the God, the Lord God, um, who is all light and the Lord of darkness, if, I, if I'm having um, self-shame, I'm just constantly totally shaming myself and really bad self-esteem. Are those thoughts from God? Obviously not. So if you have thoughts like that, these are things that need to be broken. You don't have to live with these kinds of things. These are things that need to be broken. That's a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken because the Lord corrects us with gentleness. He does cause us to have repentance, a contrite heart, but he doesn't use shame and he doesn't berate you. That's what the Lord of darkness does. And part of this journey, and I really feel this is important to say, and I'm thanking the Holy Spirit for saying this to my mind. Part of this journey of spiritual warfare is learning who God is. What is his nature? What gives him joy? What makes him weep? You know, the entire point is a relationship with him. He's the bridegroom. We are the bride. We have lost all understanding of what that concept even means. So spiritual warfare is part of that journey of understanding our beloved and having our fingers knitted into his fingers at all times so that he's saying, oh, you need to watch that over there. Thank you, Lord, for telling me. That's right. In the name of Yeshua. I do not receive that negative thing that that person is just trying to put on me. That person just, I can't tell you how many times I've had people who are, who are supposedly mature believers. Actually, they speak curses over each other. Oh, well, you're never going to get over that. You might as well just go to the doctor. Well, that's a, you just spoke a curse over me in the spiritual realm. According to what curses are, you just spoke a curse over me. So in my spirit, I'm just saying, Lord, I do not receive that. Protect me from that cursing in the name of Yeshua and help that person learn to, to use their language better and to not speak negative things over brothers and sisters in the body of Yeshua. And we speak those things over ourselves a lot. So learning to monitor our language is part of this, uh, part of this education. 
I mean, there were just so many different places we could go. I mean, I know. I know. There were so <laughs> many different. I mean, it's, it's, um, there's just a lot of uh, places that like I see within not only my own walk with the Lord or sometimes lack thereof. <laughs> I mean, come on. It seems like, you know, sometimes you sit there and you go, I'm not getting this. I'm trying, but it ain't working. <laughs> but you the know? Lord has time. And as long as we are seeking him, he will reveal himself to us. You know, and I I know we're almost out of time, so I want to just get this into one of the mm-hmm. things that I said when I was teaching a seminar on spiritual warfare. I started it by saying, I am so excited to talk about this subject. And people, when I say that, they look at me with a funny face, like some of you are looking at me that way. And why am I so excited to talk about spiritual warfare? And I said, because I get the privilege of having a front row seat to watch God performing miracles in people. I get to watch the bondage fall off. I get to watch people tell me, oh my gosh, for the first time in my life, I'm not totally over- overcome with anxiety. It's an unbelievable joy. So this picture that we've got in our heads of what it means is just so wrong. And it's just more of the enemy trying to keep us away from it. He doesn't want you to get equipped. He doesn't want you to walk in power and love in a sound mind. If he doesn't get you out of Yeshua's family, he wants you to walk into the kingdom limping. And we don't want that. We want to, we want to stand there. We are called to be powerful warriors in the, for the kingdom of God. Say, no, 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 no. You're not allowed here. And I know you don't have the authority to be here. So I'm kicking you out. We... <laughs> You know what? I think we are just going to have to have you back on a regular basis. I mean, there is just so much to unpack and uncover. I mean, we could probably get into all sorts of theological issues. Uh, like I said, we were talking about the, you were talking about God being open to any of our questions. And I know I'm not the only one that, that, that has probably not only had questions at God, but more often than not told him what I thought of, whatever he thought he was doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, cause whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. And I mean, how do we start that? I mean, how do we start that? Well, you know what, believe it or not, what you just said, that's a beautiful place to start because you're saying, how do I start that? From the counselor in me, I want to say, I teach all of my clients, God made the human body to work a certain way. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he never teaches us to be robots. We are supposed to be aware of our feelings. And as we mature and grow up, we are supposed to understand what those feelings are and learn how to deal with them and manage them appropriately. And as believers in Yeshua, we are supposed to understand that the body is the temple of Yeshua. No longer is some building that we have to go to the temple. The temple now resides on the hearts. That was prophesied in Isaiah. Oh my gosh, what a privilege. And we are supposed to understand that and honor the the body the way God made it. And from, from that emotional psychological health standpoint, we are supposed to be able to express that we are frustrated or angry about something. Now from the spiritual side, Anger is not a bad thing. I actually had a client who argued with me because she had such a problem with anger as a child because she had a severely abusive childhood and she was never allowed to express anything. So she kind of argued with me, um, not in a bad way, but she was kind of standing firm. No, anger is bad. Anger is bad. And I kept giving her scriptures about that. No, did Yeshua ever get angry? And she looked at me for a second. She didn't know what to say. She goes, well, yeah, but no one gets hurt. And I said, really? You mean there was no scuffed knee when he t- overturned all those tables and did some butt kicking in the temple? I, 
I don't think that's the case. And, and she said, well, but anger is bad. I said, no, um, doesn't the Bible say be angry, but sin not. So what we have to do is understand how these things fit. So we're supposed to be able to identify that I have that emotion. I identify that I'm angry. Then the second thing, and there's three points here, and this will help a lot of people out there that are trying to deal with um, learning how to manage emotions, or if you've had problems stuffing emotions in your past, this is your homework today. You're supposed to be able to first acknowledge a feeling that in your previous life, you used to just stuff and not even be aware of. So for example, anger. Okay, I recognize that I'm feeling angry that that person said something to my son and I didn't like the way that other parent said that to my son. The second part is acknowledge, um, uh, not only recognize it, recognize it is number one. The second one is acknowledge it. So with my healthy body that is fearfully, wonderfully made, if I've had issues with emotions in the past, I'm going to say to myself, even if it's silently, I'm going to say, I acknowledge that I'm feeling angry. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. Because stuffing it and pretending like you're not only causes more problems. It's not helpful. So you, um, you recognize that you're feeling angry. Then you acknowledge to yourself, yes, I'm feeling angry about that. I need to deal with that. And if you can't deal with it before the Lord in that moment, then you make an appointment to deal with it at a, with yourself and the Lord at a time that you can deal with it and you have to keep the appointment. If you've had emotional wounding and you don't keep the appointment, then your body knows that you're not keeping the appointment and it's not going to release the anger. So you have to get to the point where your body understands there's this whole fascinating way that the body responds to the brain with uh, the mind, the emotions, and the spirit. So there's this whole amazing way that it responds. So you have to make an appointment with yourself if you're at work and you can't deal with it right then. But when you make that appointment for, I'm going to do this uh, at 8 o'clock after I've done dinner and done the dishes. I'm going to deal with this at 8 o'clock before I go to bed. I'm going to go get before the Lord. I'm going to say, Lord, this really made me angry. And I need to express that I'm angry. And so before you, I'm expressing that I'm really angry. And I'm asking your Holy Spirit to tell me and give me wisdom and discernment in how I need to deal with it. Do I need to approach the parent? Do I need to just deal with my anger before you? Is there something else that I need to do? That's, that's how we deal with emotions in a healthy way. Now, what if the object of your anger, uh, emotions, whatever, is the Lord? The same thing, because he made you to work that way, right? So it's obviously not a mistake. Does God make mistakes? Absolutely not. So he expects us, like he said, be angry, but sin not. I can be angry and say, Lord, I really don't understand why I had this car accident. I was trying to go to seminary for goodness sakes. Why did I, why did I have this accident? I never even saw it coming. I wasn't doing anything dangerous. It's not like I was out there jumping out of airplanes, acting like I was a daredevil. I was just trying to have a peaceful moment. I got hit by a truck doing nearly 40 miles an hour and it killed me for goodness sakes. And I came back. That's not fair. And by the way, for our audience, they don't know yet, I haven't been completely healed, but I'm healed most, a whole lot of it. Every single injury was healed from me, except for one, and it was a break in my spine. So the Lord is still in the process of healing the rest of that. But I could still say, Lord, I'm angry about that. Why did you allow that to happen? So what we have to do is is continue to put that stuff before the Lord. And as um, we talked about in our last session, if we are willing 
if we are willing to let the Lord turn our most painful moments into moments that become diamonds and precious gems in our relationship with him, he is faithful to do that, but it's a process and it's not something that happens. Okay, I've decided to flip the switch. Okay, Lord, I want my payoff. No, he's saying to you, no, it doesn't work that way. It's a journey. So, you know, I teach my clients to put their hands on their knees with their palms up and to just say, Lord, I have no desire to control this issue in my life. I'm asking for you to control my life. Take control of this. Reveal to me any hiding place of the enemy. Reveal to me any place that I need to submit to you. Um, Make something beautiful out of the rubble of my life. The Lord will do that because I, he is no respecter of persons and he didn't love me any more than he loves anybody else, but he uses us all in different ways. And my story isn't like your story and your story is not like someone else's story, but guess what? We all have a story. So if we are willing, the Lord will turn those things into beautiful things. Wow. Um, I, I guess, you know, I mean, that, that honestly, kind of settles it. I mean, there's a lot of different places we could go, but I think for the sake of this conversation, I think leaving it on that point is probably for the best. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything else that, that uh, kind of comes out, comes out that, that you want to say? Well, I guess I'll just end it by saying this. I'll just let everybody know my website and I'd love to hear from your listeners And uh, if you have any questions, my ministry is Myrtle Ministries, M-Y-R-T-L-E, ministries.com. The email address is hello at myrtleministries.com. And I don't charge for my ministry. Um, I work on gifts and donations solely. So if you're inspired and you'd like to help somebody be able to have ministry, I have a GoFundMe site. It's gofundme.com slash Myrtle Ministries. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.